Hey, hey, hey. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Living in Color, where we discuss spirituality, career and education, finances, and relationships as Black women and how mental health affects them all. How you doing, sis? I'm good. You know, taking the day. Well, it's the end of the day now, but it's a Monday. So, you know, you never know what to expect for the week on a Monday, but it was a good day. So I'm I'm pleased. Come what about on, you? A, a good day on a Monday. How you doing? Uh, you know, blessed and highly favored of the Lord, you know. <laughs> Listen, um, I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. No complaints. Still in the land of the living. We are getting closer and closer to the end of the year, and I still have breath in my body, so it's good. Amen. Send the benediction. I mean, send the plate, and let's start the benediction. Come on. Well, for current events this week, I don't know if you've seen everything that's been out, but... The first thing that I want to discuss is the um, video of Francia from, I think that's her name, from Gronish, posting about how she was in traffic and then boxed in by Trump supporters. But in addition to that, Amber Riley also just posted a video about how a Trump supporter walked in front of her car at Target and took off his hat and pointed to it like, respect the Trump supporter type thing. And then when she kind of told him to like get out of the way, he spit on her car and she just made the video and was just like, listen, I'm going to beat your ass if you do it again. Um, but she also posed a question that I think a lot of us continue to ask this world, like how much more do you feel like we're going to take like, how much more compassion do you think we have in us? Um, and then she went on to post a message from her man who, which I don't know if some people know this or not, but, like, she slid in his DM, and they totally became a thing, and they're wonderful now. But his clip basically was just like, had I been there, I would have broke his neck, period. Saved yet savage. You know, I think people need to realize that um, we are all human, which means there is limitation. We have our limits before it gets to a place where, you know, emotion takes over or whatever the case may be. Um, And I didn't, I saw a little bit of, uh, I think you said her name was Francia. Yeah. If we said it wrong, sorry, but I saw a little bit of her post. I didn't watch it all the way because I could tell she was emotional. And at the time that it came through, it was annoying me that the way it was sounding. So I did not like listen to it initially, but I did after kind of seeing some other stuff about what was going on, I kind of got a gist of like, okay, so she was really emotional about this thing that happened. Um, shame on you for feeling annoyed, <laughs> but at I the end of the day, <laughs> I said it to myself. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, what we're seeing is, a 
an image or um, something that's been created from the leader himself. Um, right. The right. saying is the fish rots from the head. So we have a head that's just rotten and we are, you know, just kind of dealing with everything else that's rotting because of that. On to the next with this fish analogy. Um, <laughs> also uh, released today uh, was a clip with Taraji P. Henson, who was um, kind of on this podcast with Charlemagne the God, her executive director and friend from the foundation, which I forgot her name, and another individual who seems to be, I guess, a therapist. Um, however, she revealed that her and her ex-fiance, well, yeah, I guess this ex-fiance is no longer together. And they were really talking about how trauma affects relationships. And she basically just shared that the fact that, you know, if one person is growing and one person isn't, it's not going to work because the growing person isn't the same person that entered the relationship and how, you know, when it comes to love, you have to have understanding. Did you see that? Yeah, so I, I, I listened to a bit of that. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I think it's a valid point. Um, and I think for you and I, we are kind of in the process of seeing it fold out in our own perspective lives because mm -hmm. we are doing the inner work and then we have situations that come into play that kind of challenge all the progress that we've made. And so I haven't, I'm going to be honest, when I was in relationships and or situationships, again, mental health wasn't really this thing that people talked about. Therapy wasn't a, a suggestion to a, a problem. And so it was never looked at as maybe I should go to therapy to see if this can be worked out or not or to fix me so I can better function in this situation. It was kind of like they left. It must have been a me thing initially. And then, oh, it just wasn't meant for us type thing. Um, so I agree. You know, the, the growth, people, we all have growth that needs to happen. But if you're in a relationship or you're with someone and they aren't equally willing to do the work on themselves, or be open to how they could possibly start the process if it will help you guys grow together, then it probably won't work. Or there's going to be a lot of valleys rather than beautiful blue skies at the mountaintop. Yeah, you know, and I think it's interesting, you know, you use the word grow a lot. And I think that's one of the things relationally that we have to understand about one another is the ability to see someone's not potential their action behind growth so like you know i get it and I, I think i talked about this last week about really understanding that difference between changing and growing um you know so when you get into a relationship there are things about a person that you have to realize you cannot change so that's one battle but then also what I heard from the snippet about that is that, like you said, you know, we're not the same 
people that we are, you know, when we first get in a relationship three months later, six months later, a year later, because if we are committed to our self growth and just growth in general, then we're not going to be the same individual. So if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't um, honor or respect or appreciate growth, then it's, it's always going to be um, a place of stagnation for the person who is trying to grow because it's always going to be met with some type of, you know, you're doing too much or it doesn't take all that or why can't it just be this? Or it's always going to be something that um, is limiting in some way. And I don't know what the situation between Taraji and her ex-fiance is, but when I listened to the clip, it, it what I heard and what I think you and I can hear is that we got, she got to a certain place because she has been doing the work within herself where she was like, wait, nope, that ain't gonna work. That's going to disrupt my peace. Mm. And so she took an opportunity to choose herself and I don't know what the situation is. It just sounds like from what I heard, she took the opportunity to choose herself and her sanity over just wanting to be married, which is a big thing for somebody to be, you know, in their 50s and probably desiring that and still stepping back and saying, yeah, but no, I can't, not over myself. I'm not going to sacrifice my peace for this, you know? Right, right. I commend her for sure, because um, like you said, she is 50, and I think one thing that we as regular human beings forget that, like, celebrities are humans, too, and they go through some of the same things that we go through, and so kind of having that conversation with herself, I'm sure, wasn't easy. I'm sure she didn't get to it overnight. And I'm sure it it may not be something that she wanted to happen. But like you said, I think when you get to a point when you are first, it becomes a lot easier to say, but no, if it's going to hurt me, I'm not willing to do it. Right. Right. And, and as women, especially women who desire um, relationship, desire marriage, Let's just say that. Let's let me go to marriage because I think you can be in a relationship with just about anybody, but the commitment of marriage is a whole different, just a whole mm-hmm. different ball game. I think we have to do ourselves justice in choosing wisely. You know, it just because we want it to happen, we want it to happen now, or we want it to happen yesterday. Me myself, I'm thinking, am I really gonna have kids? Because you know, this clock is ticking. And ain't no suspects. (laughs) So, but I'm not willing to, you know, put myself in a position where I'm just going to settle um, if if it's not right. And if if the person who is a part of my life is not, um, I think one thing that they said is committed to their own happiness and just committed to their own healing healing is definitely a process and you and i say this on this podcast all the time healing is definitely a process and that process cannot begin with me 
It needs to begin mm-hmm. with you first. Mm-hmm. And then I can come in like when we get together because you already understand your healing and your process together, we can continue to go through it, but I can't be the one who accepts all your trauma and try to get you to a healing place only for me to end up in a more traumatized place. Right. Right. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to go check out the, um, the podcast from this morning, I think definitely go check it out. It may be on breakfast club website. Um, if not, you can definitely go to Taraji's page and find the link to it. Um, and just, Share your thoughts with us about what you think after um, paying, uh, listening to it, not paying attention, sorry. Pay attention, but also <laughs> share your <laughs> views after listening to um, the podcast. So You know what, sis? I just thought up? about this. So Dr. Phillips, you know Dr. Anita Phillips? Yep. So one thing she said on was it Woman Evolve? I think it was Woman Evolve. This was last year, and it sticks with me. She said that you should need the least amount of faith for your relationships when it comes to you and your mate or potential mate or whoever. And Mm -hmm. it took me, I had to keep going back and listening to that because I'm like, what do you mean? I have faith. And she wasn't saying not to have faith for marriage or or you know, to receive whatever that desire is. But some of it is you understanding where a person is and recognizing if that's a place that you can be, if that person never changed. And it shouldn't take any faith for that. That's common sense. (laughs) Right. So anyways, hats off to Taraji. I'm just saying. Agreed. Well, For Naturally Amazing this week, I wanted to share this awesome opportunity that I found. You know, some of us are still in quarantine. Me, I am still in quarantine. And so I like to find different things that, like, I can do um, either in my house or, you know, with people over, like, FaceTime or something. I'm not doing large parties, so... Anyway, I found this article about a black shelf, a shelf, chef that launched a unique and delicious, Jesus, I can't talk, um, African cooking class online and in person. And so it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the um, program is called Motherland Cooking Experience. It's by a lady named Mirabelle Yumine. You may may. I don't know. I don't speak um, different languages, so I was going to murder that no matter what. Anywho. <laughs> um, but she is the chef and CEO of Motherland Cooking Experience, and it offers um, an interactive experience with the best of African food, culture, and music. So you have an opportunity to cook like a African-inspired dish um, in its three courses. And then they also have drinks and live music. And 
you know, she created this experience to provide a platform for immigrants with ties to Africa and show their talents through food, music, art, and storytelling. And she feels like this will be an effort to bridge the cultural gap between African immigrants and their families with their communities of residence. Um, they want to showcase diverse and exciting activities of Africa through food, cooking demonstrations, beverages, and music from Africa. Um, and she said that she's excited to be a part of this group to look forward to learning, connecting, networking. Um, we also love hosting bachelorette and girls night out parties, foodies, and adventures. So I thought this was really, really cool. Um, she has some sister programs that offer some other things like teaching cultural competency for businesses, African social studies for school, and African dance and drumming workshops. But you can find her on social media, Facebook, Motherland Cooking, the letter X, and then Perience, P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E for experience. And then um, Instagram is the letter X for experience, African cooking. Um, and she also has a YouTube channel. So if you get time, check that out. I think that'll be neat. Hmm. Very cool. Very right? cool. I like the creativeness everyone is having right now. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, I don't think opportunities like this would have come along had we still been moving the same way that we were. Absolutely. Absolutely. Having space to tap into um, purpose and adventure and ideas and all of that stuff that we spend, you know, the first few parts of the year saying we're going to do and we never get to. I think people, they really think about it. They probably have done more for themselves this year than they ever have in previous years. Mm -hmm. So I think that's awesome and amazing. Yeah. Um, also to follow that is a article about three individual entities coming together to create a black agent network. And um, this is based out of California. So an organization called the F-State McKenna's Talent Agency and the Jackson Agency have partnered to form BAND, which stands for Black Agents Network, to provide a centralized network of Black-owned talent agencies so talent advertisers, producers, and studios can easily fulfill their diversity and inclusion pledge. Um, it will serve as a virtual directory of vetted Black-owned talent agencies, ensuring entertainment community has the supported need. Um, and it really just wants to give a space for um, best practices to be uh, utilized in the entertainment world so that we can see more faces like ours when we cut on our TV or watch movies. That is absolutely amazing as well. Come on, somebody. Right? I mean, it's, just, it's great. 
I love creativity. Um, but that that's going to be huge. So shout out to them. Yes, absolutely. Um, moving on to our topic for today. We're going to keep it short and brief with the current events of Natural Amazing because we really wanted to speak on the one subject or one of the subjects that we haven't had a chance to discuss on the podcast yet, and that's spirituality. And, you know, this is really a, a sensitive topic for some, but for Amber and I, we both grew up in the church. Amber probably was more active than I was. I was on like the usher board and I forgot the little group that I was a part of, but that also tells you how active I was in it. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to talk about kind of like the then and now aspect of spirituality and church because it's different for sure. Um, the way church is conducted, clearly we're all virtual kind of right now. I mean, people aren't going to church physically, but for the most part, everything's virtual. Um, the dynamics in the church, the, the things that we realize as adults that we didn't necessarily see as children and kind of just sharing our experiences. So, Amber, kind of share with everyone your background with spirituality and growing up in the church yeah so um i mean ever since i can remember i've been in church or was in church i grew up in church literally um my dad is a minister um but he didn't become a minister until i was in high school i believe yeah my freshman year of high school it was when he accepted his call into ministry. And I remember us sitting down, him sitting us down and talking to us about it and what that meant. Um, and also, you know, what that meant for us as children and maybe how we would be viewed and some things that people may expect of us because we're associated with being a, a, a child of a minister. So I remember like just... I, I just remember the religious traditions a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a missionary Baptist church and where you wore white on first Sundays for communion, where you had to wear stockings. You did not go to church with bare legs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you were sitting in the front row, you had a scarf to cover your knees. Um, you know, just all of the traditions, all, uh, all of the traditions. <laughs> when I right. tell y'all, I still know those traditions, like the back of my hand, I still know them. And so I think, you know, from a spirituality standpoint, I don't know if my spirit was actually being fed a lot during those times. I think I was getting a lot of knowledge about what religion was or what you know religiosity was and as an adult i realized that my spirit man was actually weak because i didn't mm. necessarily understand relationship with the lord um so as far as like you know growing up in church you know i did everything as far as singing in the choir 
um, you know, being on um, the young women, the young women's ministry, um, you know, Bible study, vacation Bible school, being in the drama department, being in the sign language department. I don't know of too many things I did not do in church, except be on that usher board. I refused to be on the usher board. I just didn't want to do it. So I think that's probably the only thing that I didn't do in church. But yeah, I definitely like grew up enthralled in the pews. What about you? Uh, so Paul, you know how to sign language? Um, not now. Like, I think if there were a few words that came on the screen, I can remember, you know, like what, how to do them. But no, no. Mm -mm. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> well, God, who holding out now? Who holding I out? Girl, every, when I tell you everything, you know, Girl Scouts was through the church. So Girl Scouts, um, I went to church summer camp in the summers, everything, everything. Well, like I said, I was on the usher board. I basically wore my black and white. And oh. dang, I still don't remember the name of the dang on group. Anyway, I was a part of that until I wasn't. And I also sung in the choir. And like you, I I remember a lot of the traditions. So it was mandatory for us to go to church. Like it wasn't a question. You knew you mm -hmm. had to get up and go to church. We always went to Sunday school. And then we went to church for two, three hours, however long it was. You know, you just expected to be there. Uh, my vivid memories of church as a young child is, you know, propping myself up on the pew. My cousin putting the program in her lap and me laying my grease ahead in her lap to go to sleep. You know, that that was the young me in church. Yeah. The, the teenage me was more so like, okay. I'm not paying any attention. Let me just play with my friends or send notes back and forth during church type thing. Um, and then when I was able to drive, that's when that's when the game changer came. I was like, oh, I'll make Sunday school. Oh, I ran late type thing. So I was. that's when I started kind of moving towards my own views on church. Um, so oftentimes I would show up right when church started, not necessarily make Sunday school, um, stop going to vacation Bible school altogether. My aunt was over vacation Bible school for as long as I can remember. But then, you know, you become a teenager, you have extracurricular activities, you do things on Saturdays that you wouldn't normally do if, you know, if you didn't have them. So I slowly but surely kind of moved from a mandatory obligation to go to church and then more towards, I don't even know why I'm here type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't have a children's church like people do now to kind of, you know, focus on it in a way that kids will understand 
as a child, I had to listen to the same sermon my mom or, you know, the older lady across the pew who caught the Holy Ghost listened to. And the whole time I was confused because I was like, I don't get any of this. I don't have any responsibility. I haven't gone through anything. So like you, looking back, I definitely wasn't spiritually fed. I just right. learned things, like you said. Right. I think it's interesting that you bring up that uh, laying your head in your cousin's lap and going to sleep. I even remember there was a time clock on that, like when we were younger. Um, if, and we did have children's church growing up. So I we would go to children's church. But if it happened to be that we had to be in the big sanctuary, you know, going to sleep was an option until you got to what... I guess my dad would call the age of accountability where you needed to be listening and tuned in. Even if you didn't understand, you still needed to be listening. And, um, you know, another thing that I just kind of remember as you were talking, like for me, church didn't start on Sunday. We would have the weekend where on Friday nights or Saturdays, we would gather as a family to have devotion. So we were reading scriptures and singing hymns and praying and dad would give like a mini, not so many sermon. It's supposed to be a mini sermon, but it, <laughs> it sometimes would be lengthy. Um, and I'm not going to say that um, I didn't get anything from those um, at all, because I think now as an adult, I think back on certain times and, you know, can be like, mm, that's what you meant or that's what was going on then, what you was talking about. I get it. But I think in the moment, I didn't understand any of it because I did not understand. Um, I just did not understand relationship with Christ in the way that I understand it now. And I have been baptized you know, I had gone down in the water and had come up again. Um, but yeah, I just, I, we used to pass notes too. Man, we used to pass notes. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just now thinking about it. Like all that stuff is so true. All of that stuff is so true. So, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you know, church services now are like, what, 45, 50 minutes tops the service itself, not praise and worship, not fellowship. And at the end, the sermon, 45 to 50 minutes. That was yeah. like the beginning of church. Yeah. <laughs> when I was growing, like on Sunday, you knew you were in church for a good two hours. Yep. You That was, that was what was expected. And you know, I, um, like I said, we went to vacation Bible school. We didn't really do Bible study. I don't even know if they had Bible study, just thinking back on it. Um, I'm sure they did, but again. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely just went on Sunday. You know, when revival came around, we were there more than not. My mom worked in the church as a secretary, and so... My family, my cousins were all, and my aunt over vacation Bible school was very, uh, very active. We were all known in the church. So, you know, we had to be those kids that couldn't mess up because they mm -hmm. were our center in front for church anyway. 
Um, but oftentimes we did. Like, I share this story all the time. When my cousin was in the 11th or 12th grade, she got into this fight. And I'll never forget it. She got into the fight, like, on a Thursday or Friday, got suspended from school, and we had to go to church this Sunday. And when we got to church, everybody was, like, calling her Rambo, all the kids, because most of the older kids were at the school, and, you know, their younger siblings had heard what everybody was saying. And so I'll never forget my aunt was so mad because she knew people would talk, but those are some of the just experiences that I remember off the top. You know, my family had a special section that we sat in, you know, the same set of pews that we sat in. The family behind us always sat in their same pew. So it was like assigned seats for church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they were towards the back. So in case we need to leave early, we could just tiptoe on out. And... um but it was it was a good experience because a lot of the people that, you know, were family or close friends, I still have contact with now, but I, I think, I don't think I've been baptized as in submerged in water type thing as in, as, well, I know I haven't, but, you know, I was sprinkled as a child at my christening, Um but I didn't learn that that was a thing that you did once you kind of had a relationship with Christ, you know, until later on, until I was like probably in my twenties and I started really going to church and trying to figure it out for myself. I just mm-hmm. thought everybody got baptized at the beginning. Like when you're born, you're baptized. Everybody have this big shebang and, you know, you eat and you, you get nice clothes and everybody dress all up and that's how it goes. And then I got to college and started attending a church um, in Tallahassee where it started probably the first step of my spiritual journey and kind of just figuring out like, oh, this makes a lot more sense now that I've gone through something. I'm here by myself trying to figure it out. And so now this message makes a lot more sense that I found, you know, I gain the knowledge that everybody doesn't get baptized when they're born. It it can solely be a choice that mm-hmm. you do or don't have. I mean, that you do or don't do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some things that you find helpful from, I guess, your past experience? growing up in the church that you've kind of taken with you now? Um, two things that are still, still near and dear to me are um, prayer, just, just, ex- just the ability to pray and, and not necessarily, I, I leave out the lengthy prayer part because people used to pray forever back in the day. I don't I don't do that but the the discipline of prayer is something that was started back then um and I'm still growing in that discipline today. Um and then also hymns. So I grew up on hymns. Like that's I you know, I knew other music. I knew all church music, but my grandmama, my big mama, my daddy, like everybody 
you kind of resorted to hymns. And so they would always be singing them all the time, like without, (laughs) it's, it's like I could never go a day or maybe a few days without hearing a hymn. And while they used to get on my nerves, honestly, I'd be like, if they don't stop, with this, how many how many verses are in this hymn, and why are we singing every verse? That doesn't even it doesn't even sound like we're singing this hymn right. So, like these are the things that would come up in my head when I have to be in a Bible study or something like that. But now, as an adult, you know the hymns mean something to me, um, and and they meant they probably meant something to my folks way back then, but they didn't mean anything to me. I just thought it was just, y'all doing too much. Um, right. But now you know this because I'll bust out in a hymn quickly. And sometimes I'm doing it in fun. Like I'm just like having fun. But also those are the things that come is what comes back to me almost immediately for just about any situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like I need thee, oh I need thee. Oh okay, you you're tired and went flat, and you don't know when your next paycheck coming, and you probably need some gas. Oh I need thee, oh I need, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you know, um, when I feel alone, or just like I I even though I know I'm not alone when I'm feeling lonely, or I just feel like I'm in this world alone. Um, my grandmother used to sing like "Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry." You know, it, mm. it, they just they just come, they come. It's like it's not even a. I don't even think about it. They're just there, and so you know, I I for me, my spiritual journey did not begin for real until I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and a lot of people, not a lot of people, know that about me. Because everybody believes that you grow up in church, you know scripture, you know how to act like a Christian, quote unquote. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But you know how to do all these things. And so, you know, you you, you spiritually, you're sound. And that's so not true. Yeah. For me, spirituality did not become a part of my life until I got on my own and start realizing what spirituality was and how, you know, how, what it was for me as an individual and not because mom and daddy said it or pastor said it or grandmama said it. Yeah. What about you? So I'm like you and I feel, I say this now, like for me, it's all about the, not all about the music, but like a good choir soloist will just take me out. And I never understood it. Again, this goes back to not having the 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 understanding of what I was being told. I used to see people cry in church all the time, you know, get to shout and I'm like, oh, I hope she don't hear her head type thing. Because, you know, I'm a kid. And then it wasn't until I went through something and I was sitting in church and this choir started singing, um, Oh, How Precious. That was the song I'll never forget. And 
when I tell you, it, again, it was right when I decided that I had to forgive <laughs> my child's father for everything he had put me through and acknowledge and share with the Lord that I was tired. So mm. I had all those emotions during that one song and I completely broke down like crocodile tears. Yeah. Could not stop. And, you know, I love music in general, but I'm like you, there's nothing like a good old down by the riverside hymn. I can get with a lot of the modern day songs, but if you listen to my gospel playlist right now, most of it will be, you know, the Georgia Mass Choir. Um, Trellis Caesar, like all of those type of individuals, because that music spoke to me. And unfortunately, I didn't have my grandparents um, because they passed away. But my aunt, who was over vacation Bible school, she was more of the real, like my mom talked about church, but my mom is like plain Jane nonchalant in her shell type person. But my aunt would be the person who was singing those hymns while she was baking a pound cake or a sweet potato <laughs> pie type thing. Um, so I've always loved a good choir singing traditional, like I said, down by the riverside hymn. Like it, it gets me every time. And hearing the words now hit a lot differently <laughs> than <laughs> life has happened. You know, um, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's a whole different, <laughs> a whole different praise break, <laughs> a praise yeah. break than it was, you know, when I was 12 and just started my period type thing. Um, so I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, for me, as far as the relationship with Christ, you know, this is something I'm actively working on. Mm -hmm. It has been the most fulfilling relationship that I've pursued in a really, like, forever. I'm not even going to say in a really long time. I'm just going to say forever. And I didn't truly tap into it until I was challenged. You know, I had already faced obstacles and had overcame them. I knew had it not been for God that I wouldn't have made it. But the relationship part still wasn't there. Like, mm -hmm. I had enough faith to get me over, but not through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you and I met. And Amber knows, I tell her this all the time. Like, she is probably the person that, that kind of stands at the foundation of my journey because she took the time to talk it out, explain it, answer the questions. She's prayed for me. Her dad has prayed for me. Like that is one thing I will give her. Like she will bust out a prayer at any given time. You need me to pray for you. I got you. And her and I had the discussion that I was like, how do you pray? How do you know you praying right? <laughs> Because I was like, I don't think I'm doing it right. And I never step up to pray in front of people because I don't want people to be like, what is she talking about type of thing? But, 
you know, truly looking back and seeing, oh, that's why she was shouting. Because she probably didn't know where her next meal was coming from. And little did she know she had a surprise waiting on her when she got home. And so now that it's Sunday, she got to tell everybody. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's crazy. I'm trying not to get emotional. Uh, I'm like trying really hard. I wish, I'm glad y'all can't see no faces. Um, but it's, it's just interesting to hear you say this now, even though I've heard this like a lot. It's, this is not the first time you've told me this, but uh, as I sit here and reminisce on my journey, you know, I for me, I had given up on the whole church and Christ and all this other stuff because I had went through so many different things and religion taught me that, you know, if you're being, if you're going through a lot of bad stuff, then you're probably being punished for something that you did. So I just kind of felt like I had got to a point in my life where something about me wasn't good or just something was wrong because I just felt like I was always being punished. And I remember when I moved to Birmingham and I was still like, you know, studying for the MCAT and trying to get ready for medical school. So um, we, you know, I, I ended up getting into a class and meeting two individuals who um, happened to be going to the same church. and they invited me to go to church. And, you know, so I'm saying all that to say like, you know, somebody was found, there were people who were foundational for me and my, I guess my goal after I really began to understand what, who Christ is and what he means to me, my goal has always been to lead other people to him authentically. And so when I hear you say that, it just, it really moves me because it reminds me that beyond what I do on a day-to-day basis and beyond all the responsibilities I have, I'm first called to be the hands and feet of Christ. And if I can't speak into someone's life or if I can't help lead someone else to him, then what am I really doing? Hmm. That's so good. Um, And I think if we all went through life kind of looking at it in the concept of if we're not doing these things for Christ, then what are we doing? It may help so many people be more Um, Mm purpose-driven. But that brings me to a question that I have for you as someone who is strongly planet in their um, faith, what do you think the hardest part of building that relationship, you know, on your spiritual journey, what do you think the hardest part was for you or is for you? Ridding myself of religion um, Mm. to find, to, to, to understand spirituality. I think in and I don't speak against religion. I think religion is important. Um, it's something that defines a person. But um, I, I think we get the me- the messages in religion come from um, law. And because we, for me, now I can't speak for everybody, but because Christ is 
you know, the person who is my um, head, who's the head of my life. <laughs> I'm thinking about church, <laughs> giving all honor to. <laughs> Come on. But, <laughs> but because he is the head of my life, then his message and his story and the reason why he exists is is what speaks to me spiritually. And he, um, you know, I think when I think about the Bible, a lot of the teachings um, that I grew up with was just like how God is a um, he he's the judge. He's a person who judges you. Um, and that is, that is one aspect of his character, but there are so many others that oftentimes are not, um, talked about as much or people don't even understand. So they don't know to speak on them, but my Bible tells me God is love. And so, um, I have to realize that, yes, he sits in a seat where he is able to judge, but because he has already loved us the way that he, you know, the way that he does, he sent um, someone in place for me so that I could have access once again to have to live a, a life of freedom, to live a life of abundance, to um understand that yes i am a sinner you know i don't try to willingly sin there are sometimes i do willingly sin but i don't try to, like that's not my thing um and even with that you know there's grace and i i just feel like people get the message mixed up a lot of time trying to mix the religion with the spirituality part of it um, and, and they don't, they don't do it right. Um, and I hate to say that, but the church has gotten it wrong so many times. And I will stand behind this statement. Uh, and this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to be done, but who knew in 2020, we would be in a space in life where we couldn't even go into church because I think it's allowing church folks to understand that your ministry is not within the four walls of that church as much as it is in the world. Um, because, you know, church is a, I'm not saying that people don't get saved in church because they do, but there are so many people who don't go to church that still need to be saved. Right. And so, you know, having a click or a club, because that's to me what church turned into is like, you know, finding the best clique or club to be a part of. I think, you know, now people are going back to what's real and what's in the word. Like, okay, so what does the Bible say? And now I can't be in my pulpit and I can't, you know, be lifted up, you know. <laughs> So it becomes again about, you know, who are we reaching? And my, my aunt is a missionary and I went on a mission trip with her when I was in seventh or eighth grade. And that was the first time that I ever really kind of got a glimpse of what it really was like to um, minister the word of God to people who didn't know, didn't understand, or who had never heard of it before. And it was on that trip after I came back from that trip where 
um, I remember telling my dad that I was gonna, I was called to be a healer. And, and I know I've told this story so many times, like I was 13 and I told my dad I was called to be a healer and, you know, started off to medical school. But we know, I know in hindsight that being called to be a healer is not necessarily me going to be a doctor, but what it did mean was that I was, God had given me the space and capacity to walk with people through some of their most trying times and still lead them back to him. And that has been a big part of my life. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I have no words. Um, but I think that's real. And I, I think it's honest because again, for two people who grew up in the church and now seeing what church is like now, it's like, I told y'all I didn't have to go. I could have still been like right here and got it the same, you know? Um, <laughs> but I also think you bring up a good point that like people don't just get saved in church. Mm -hmm. again this goes back to my personal experience I just thought everybody was saved you know as a kid growing up you went to church you saved I yeah. didn't learn more about what it meant I didn't learn that you could be standing in the middle of the road or in the choir stand and just be like I received the Lord yeah. You know, and and you're saved. Um, and that was the short paraphrased version. But that was one thing that I that goes to another thing that I did not know or I guess I did not understand, but I knew about. For me, I would say the hardest part and I say parts because I have I think two distinct ones. The first one being understanding that despite what anyone else judges me about, despite what how anyone else views me, he views me in the way that he created me. Mm -hmm. And that can never be tarnished by anything that I do. Mm hmm um, because again, so my mom was a single mom. Everybody didn't agree with the the way that she raised, including family members. Um, and so I was, I was raised to be independent. I was raised to respectfully voice my opinion. People didn't agree with that. People didn't agree with the fact that my mom let me make my own choices for me. When I mm -hmm. became pregnant, I didn't want to go to church because I knew people would be talking about it. And unlike my mom, I'm not a silent person. When I feel offended, I am going to say something. Mm -hmm. And so that put me in a place where, like, I don't want my mom to be upset at me because, you know, I could cuss the smear clearance out this weekend because she had something to say. You know, <laughs> like, I didn't have time for that. Um, yeah. But that was that judgment that didn't, it doesn't belong, period. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to say it doesn't have a place. It does not belong. No one should be judged 
for trying to figure out life because we're all trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. We all have demons that we have to fight on a daily basis. We all have obstacles to overcome. And so the best thing that you can do if you're going to be like Christ is have open arms. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we forget to, um, and I say we, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from, I'm just saying we as in Christians. And again, I will stand behind anything that I say on this podcast. This, this, this is just my opinion. But I think as a Christian, one of the things we have failed to do is practice empathy, love, and grace. And we have taken the seat of judgment way too many times as if we are God or we are Christ. And that is in fact who we are not um, right. because just yesterday it could have been me outdoors mm. with no food and no clothes all alone. <laughs> I ain't gonna mm. keep going because y'all know where I'm going with this, but I think we have amnesia a lot of times and forget that we are not far from other people whose stories may be a little, you know, to us, mm -hmm. they might have a lot going on and that's doing too much, but it was only just a few moments ago that our lives were doing too much. And if mm -hmm. we are honest, we hide behind our Christianity and our lives are still doing too much. So hey. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, we have to, and that has been, I think as, as I've gone into my spiritual journey, that has been the seat that I have always taken. So people who know me um, and people who have either, we've been friends and maybe we're not as close anymore as what we used to be. People will tell you that one of the things that I tell people not to do with me or with anybody else is put people on a pedestal because they're not god they never will be so even if they're um you know the most amazing person to you right now and especially like if you're being spiritually fed by that person thank god for that person and then continue to put your hope and trust in god and not the person because eventually the person is going to misstep at some point mm. and your faith can go along with their misstep that's where that forgiveness on credit comes in. Come on. Hey. <laughs> Bring it on in. I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with all of that. The second part of that, or the second hardship for me was really defining what faith is and mm. then living in it. <laughs> Yeah. Believing in it. I could yeah. talk the talk the whole time, but I needed to learn how to walk the walk. And I was I was tested a lot. And I'm not I'm gonna be honest, I failed a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. When Me things too. were good, I, I praised like, Thank you, Lord, I got it. We doing this. Cool. But anytime the negative would hit, I'd be like, but wait now, I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. Now, why is this happening? <laughs> you said, if I didn't do these things that, you know, we should be cool. 
Why yeah. why are you allowing this person to come in my life and hurt me? Why yeah. did you allow this situation to fall through so I couldn't advance? Why did you strip me of everything that everyone else sees? My biggest problem was asking why. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Amber <laughs> and myself <laughs> and another friend of ours had a conversation. And they will attest to this today. They were like, they didn't say this in front of me, but they told me after the fact, like, if I got the lesson that was being taught on the other side, was going to be something amazing. Mm-hmm. And it took time, y'all. I'm not even going to lie. It took time. I was just like, I don't know. I just don't know. But it wasn't until, <laughs> here come a word. It wasn't until I was out in the wilderness by myself. Huh. I had no one to turn to. I had my support system. Half of it had crumbled. The other half was still sticking around, still sticking through, still motivating me, still trying to get me to see the brighter side of things. But I was standing by myself and I had to come to a realization that I couldn't do it by myself. Yeah. And even in addition to that, no matter what I did going forward did not matter because as long as I trusted my relationship with God and what he had promised me, God, no, I've always said I was created to be more than mediocre. I've said that. That's an affirmation that I was saying I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was created to do something great. Yeah. But until I was tested and I was out there by myself and I had the understanding that that affirmation was really true, I didn't know what faith was. And it wasn't until I accepted that. it This, this avenue didn't work out, but whatever's on the other side of it got to be greater than that. Amber can attest to it. That's exactly yeah. what I started saying. I don't know what it looked like, but on the other side of it, it got to be better. It has to be pushing me towards whatever I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll with it. Stepping out the boat. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the word. That's the word. And that's so good, too, because, you know, I remember kind of the beginning stages of us like having these types of conversations and my heart would burn because, you know, I would be like, what if he's just stripping you of everything you think you are so that you can really know who you are? Hmm. And I think the thing that makes me emotional now is just being able to still be a part of your life and for us to be able to do life together and for me to see the transition happening you don't always get a chance, an opportunity or a front row seat to watch 
the transition happened, you kind of, maybe you sprinkle a little word here, maybe you pray here, maybe you do this or that here or there, but you don't always get a chance to see like someone come into their own and watch how God is using them and moving them and all of that stuff. And I think that's the part that really just gets me all like choked up and stuff because it's always like, I don't think I can ever be a part of anything more beautiful than that. I, I, and you know, you're talking to somebody who wants to be married, have children, and all of those things are going to be absolutely amazing. They are. But to know that someone, I don't know what it is. It's just to know that someone really understands who they are in Christ and understands that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and that nothing about them is a mistake and that nothing that they've been through will go unused. And like just tapping into all of that is just a different, it's just a different type of joy for me. Amen. The show just going again. Um, so thank you. And I, I know I've told you thank you tons of times, but thank you for not only taking the time, but, you know, staying on the journey with me. Because as we've stated, we are all flawed. So there will be times where I'm still like, so I'm not asking why, but can I get an alternative answer <laughs> type thing? Um, you know, and Amber will have that conversation with me and I'll be like, but you know what? You're right. You're right. If if this is what I'm going to stand on, then this is what it says and this is how we're going to move going forward. Um, yeah. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, someone... Someone did it for me. And let me say this. I'm going to say this and I'm done. So this is how I know the Lord is real in my life. This is exactly how I know. Because when I met these two young ladies and, you know, I was talking to them about my experience growing up in church and all that other stuff, I was like, and I had been visiting churches in Birmingham, but hadn't found it like a church that I was interested in like becoming a part of or anything like that. And I remember a conversation we had and I was like, they always just want to talk about money. Like they want to mm. just, the churches just want to talk about money or they just want to do this. They don't want to talk about real issue and nothing like that. And so anyway, they invited me to church and I went to church that Sunday and the, <laughs> the message was on finances <laughs> and um this is at the worship center so uh but it was the way that pastor man talked about how finances are actually a matter of the heart and he began to explain relationship like yeah mm. we we heard i heard the word finances and immediately was about to turn myself off but it was the way that he spoke about it Right. And then um, when we left church, you know, they were they I think both of them were cautious to ask me how I felt because they knew what I had just said maybe four days prior. And I was like, I have never felt a burning down. My grandma used to say it's just like fire. 
shut up in my bones. That's what she used to say. <laughs> and I told them, I said, I think I know what that fire is now. Like I had never felt so like someone understood me or that I was in the right place. I just had never had that feeling before. And when I got home that day, that was the day where I said, I'll live a life poured out for you, whatever that looks like. Now, be careful what you ask for, people, because <laughs> <laughs> when it starts to get real hairy, it get real rough, get a lot dark going on. You have to remember, you know, that you said that you were willing to, to do these things. But I'm saying all that to say you know, anything that has ever happened between you and I is only an extension of what was done for me. And I just pray that you and I continue to be, you know, that through this podcast and through our individual lives where we, you know, at the end of the day, we're like, y'all, let me tell you about a man, a hmm. real man, a man that's right. there for you, never leave you, never forsake you. <laughs> Well, guys, um, we're going to move into reflections and affirmations. Um, we hope that our experiences, sharing our experiences, um, either about clarity or shed some light on some things for you. We're both always open to talk about anything and all things, but definitely when it comes to this, um, you know, don't be afraid to hit us up, share your stories again. So sis, um, for this week, what would you say your reflection or affirmation since we've kind of reflected this whole um, episode, what would you say yours would be this week? <laughs> yeah, I'll go right into my, I guess it's an affirmation. I'm going to use it as an affirmation. And I shared this earlier on my story but it's just don't let the delay make you think God changed his mind. And mm. um, I, again, I always transition that to Amber, God's delay is not his denial. Um, and that that's just, it. That, I think it stands on its own. It may not yeah. be where you want it yet. It may not be like you want it yet. It may seem like it's not coming. But it doesn't mean that his promise over your life has changed. He may not come when you want him. But he'll be there. <laughs> right on time. Come on. He's on time, God. Yes, he is. <laughs> Who? I just well, want you to know that I have not broken out into him not one time yet. I've been, <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> you, you casually walked it, you know, you brought a bag, but you, you know, you introduced them to a couple. What's <laughs> not wrong with that? You know. What's your affirmation for this week? Um, I'm going to say something that I'm trying to hold myself accountable for, and that's authenticity over approval. Mm, now that a preach. Yep. Sure will. And it'll probably be on the shirt soon, so watch out for it. <laughs> I will listen. 
Um, so. But thank you guys for listening in this week. Again, we hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, follow us on social media, uh, inboxes. I'll have all that in the description box. Um, hope you guys have a great week. Have a great or week. Had a great week, I guess, since this comes out on Thursday. But nevertheless, live your life. Just live your life. Hey. hey. Have a great week, peeps. Bye.